0: All right, how is everybody? Cold, yeah. It's, uh, it is really good to see everybody today. Uh, so I'm going to start off with a joke, get it out of the way. Here we go. After a really good party, a man walks into a bar and orders a drink. Already drunk and delirious, the man turns to the person sitting next to him and says, you want to hear a blonde joke? person replies, I'm 240 pounds, world kickboxing champion, and a natural blonde. My friend here is 190 pounds, world judo champion, and is a natural blonde. And my other friend is 200 pounds, world arm wrestling champion, and also a natural blonde. Do you still want to tell me a blonde joke? The man thinks for a while, and he says, not if I have to explain it three times. <laughs> Aurora, quit moaning and groaning. <laughs> All right, so i um, so excited to share with you today. We are, as a church, been um, in the book of Genesis. And we often pick a book of the Bible and we go through it. And uh, we've been in Genesis a while. And right now we are looking at kind of the, almost the middle of Genesis um, at some stories of Jacob and Esau. And they, they are these twin brothers um, in the family line of, of Abraham. And um, one of the things that I've been sharing with our Lighthouse family is that when I was kind of preparing for January a while ago, um, I was reading these stories and I kept realizing or thinking that there are some overarching themes in these stories that our Lighthouse family deal with on a regular basis. So I thought, you know, let's kind of talk about the themes and use these stories as launching uh, places. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, You might remember that. And um, last week, we talked about how um, we sometimes think running away to start over, does a new place solve my problems? And we kind of wrestled with that last week. And uh, before we get into today, I just kind of want to let you know of... Um, what it is that is going on in the story of Jacob and Esau. So, uh, let me catch you up on the na- narrative. So, you might remember that Jacob steals Esau's birthright and Esau is ticked off at him. He plots to kill him. And so, Jacob runs away. That's what we talked about last week. He runs away to his uncle Laban. And um, when he gets to, to Laban's household, um, he falls in love with with Laban's daughter, Rachel. And um, in, he negotiates with, uh, with her dad about you know marrying her, and he agrees to work for seven years just to marry Laban, um, works for Laban, or to marry Rachel. So he works for Laban for all those years. But um, on the wedding day, he kind of gets tricked, and Jacob ends up marrying Leah, um, Rachel's sister, and uh, isn't overly happy about that. Um, but the deceiver is deceived, if you've been kind of with us throughout Genesis. And um, what he does then next is he agrees to work for seven more years to, to um, marry Rachel. And uh, during that time, you know, he gets wealthy. Um, he, he has kids. And, and uh, eventually he just kind of gets tired of how Laban treats him. And Jacob uh, decides to go back home where Esau lives and so he takes his wife his kids his servants his possessions and he heads home uncertain of Esau 's response and uh, remember Esau's plotting to kill him and uh, I was reading I was kind of writing all of that narrative, and I was thinking, why do we even spend money on the on the movies when we've got the Bible stories to read? I mean, for heaven's sake, um, a lot going on. So here's what happens. When Jacob gets fairly close to home, he decides to send off some bribes to Esau so that he'll welcome him home and forgive him. So he sends his wives with, with uh, some of their kids and and maybe some servants, and he brings these gifts to Esau, you know, trusting that if he sends enough gifts, so there kind of ends up being this train of gifts going to Esau. If If there's enough gifts, maybe Esau will forgive him and welcome him home. And what happens is Jacob sends off all these people with all these gifts, and he's left alone. And Jacob is left alone in between the poor treatment of his uncle Laban and the past, and family hostilities and an uncertain future with his brother Esau. And when I read that story, I was thinking about how it's true for lots of us that sometimes we find ourselves at these periods in our life where we are in between the past which maybe wasn't that great, and an uncertain future. So that's our question for today. Um, Here you go. When have you had to face an uncertain future? When have you had to face an uncertain future? If you'd like to answer the question, Flint and Tim are going to run the mics today. You get their attention. You stand up. You speak directly in the mic. Give us a brief answer, and uh, love to have a few of you be transparent and share a little bit with us, if you're willing. When have you had to face an uncertain future? Anybody ready? All right, we got hands going up here. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Galen. Um, back when I graduated high school, I went to live with my sister in Colorado and try and build up some money so I could afford to buy a car so I could go to college. Uh, uh, Because of circumstances, um, some bills came up, and I had to drain my savings to help my sister. And so at the end of the summer, with college starting, I had just enough money to get a bus ticket home. And that's all. Hmm so i was looking at an uncertain future as to how i was going to even get to wilmer to go to college yeah Yeah. excellent thank you um galen go ahead oh my name is Aura. good afternoon uncertain future was when i suffered through my addiction i didn't know if i was going to live or didn't know what my future was so through recovery that is not the case and then Last thing was, I'm uncertain right now with my future, with my job, because they're switching everything right now. Oh, thank you, Aurora. I think there's a hand back here, Tim. So, Seth? Um, I guess I'm kind of facing an uncertain future right now. I've been to this point in my life a few times. I'm finding it hard to find a place to live. Um, and in my past, I've kind of thrown my hands up and kind of snowballed back to my old ways and this time I am fortunate enough to have not only Lighthouse Church but center. Um, I'm in recovery pretty heavily. Um, I got some sobriety under my belt. So I'm just hoping this time I can endure this with some patience and just kind of self obsess on some positive instead of negative. And thank you. And good afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Seth. Thanks for your transparency. All right. Hi, church family. My name's Kathy. See, this is kinda of gonna be kinda of sad and I need prayers. Hmm. Because I'm going to cry. Two years ago, I was admitted into the hospital, and um, they told me I had a lot of scar tissue on my abdomen. They said they could use surgery, but it would just make it worse. Not knowing, two years later, I'm still having the same pain today and feel like I'm going nowhere. I've been to doctor after doctor. I've done every test in the book. So I just need your prayers. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kathy health issues, can really do that uncertainty to us. Yep. Hi, friends and family. I'm Tara. Um, so, you know, a couple of us went to Bismarck and testified this last week, and I, when I was testifying, I wrote something, and it, and it didn't really become profound until just now, but um, I got out of prison in 2017, and I immediately went to work, <coughs> and immediately started dating, and just kind of doing my thing, and I thought I had life figured out completely. Um, it wasn't Um, until I started working here in 2019 that I realized how uncertain my future really was and that I was just literally going day by day. Um, And now I just feel like I have more guidance now that I have a higher power and a home church. And I just know that even when days are uncertain, I can come here or I can just stop and think or I can stop and pray. And that uncertainty will go away if I've got God in my corner. Hmm. Thank you, Tara. All right. Got time for another one if anybody's interested. Left a little extra time. Anybody else? One more? Going once. Anybody else? Okay. We'll end with Cassie. Hand over the child and then... <laughs> Hi, I'm Cassie. Um, I, one time when I felt we had an uncertain future was when we moved from Malala to Ontario and neither one of us had a job. We just had a newborn baby. And we decided that God wanted us to be in Ontario. So we moved across the state of Oregon with the newborn baby. She was like three days old. <laughs> hmm. So, and I didn't know what we were going to do, but we just trusted that God was leading us in the right direction. So, Wow. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I, I appreciated the diversity of, of answers. And, you know, there could be a lot of other answers that we have, you know, starting new jobs and Um, You know, I appreciate all of it. And my guess is everybody here can, in one way or another, identify with, you know, an uncertain future, right? Um, Grab a Bible, and we are going to read the story of Jacob wrestling with God. And so there should be Bibles around you. Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 22. And um, you're going to... uh, kind of see that um, kind of the end of the story uh, that I, or the narrative that I just told you about kind of plays out here. And then uh, this alone time that Jacob has um, with God. And then we're going to uh, try to unpack that today. Verse 22, here we go. During the night, Jacob got up and took two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok with them. So I want you to remember the Jabbok River. After taking them to the other side, he went over to uh, over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, um, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the woman saw, or when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, "Let me go, for dawn is breaking." But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because, the man, because of what had happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. All right, so what a confusing Bible story. The Jacob or the Jacob River, huh? I wonder, I wonder if you have ever camped out at the Jabbok River. In other words, things are behind you um, that haven't been quite what you were hoping for. And you're tired of the past, tired of struggling with some of the same issues over and over again maybe even tired of dealing with some of your own shortcomings. And so the things that are behind you are disappointing, but what lies ahead is also very uncertain. To move forward, you may need to deal with some of your own demons, or maybe you've burned some bridges, or you need to make some amends, Or you just need to deal with the past before you can move forward. Um, And you just don't know how the future's gonna go. Have you ever been camped out at the Jabbok River? Tell someone, I've been there. So some of you, I want to acknowledge, you may be there right now. You may be there right now. And you know, you're here Um, ready for a new start, Um, needing a fresh start in life, um, but you realize that it's going to require maybe facing or dealing with some of the past issues, Um, dealing with issues that you've been avoiding, perhaps even self-medicating for, uh, for some of us here. Remember last week we learned wherever I go, there I am, yeah. Wondering if you've ever camped out at the Jabbok River. If so, then I want you to know you have wrestled with God. And if you've wrestled with God, um, or if you are wrestling with God, you might be at the Jabbok River right now. And if that's true, the river has brought you to the right place. So here's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to kind of walk you through um, this story or at least the meaning of this story to a degree and, and see if we can, you know, make it relevant or apply it to our daily lives. So there's, there's much that I, I want to share with you. Um, it's going to be a little bit of work this morning and uh, I hope that you are ready. Are you ready? Um, so here we go. Some real life stuff. So here's a biblical principle I, I kind of want you to know, and there's some symbolism in this story that we read, and it points out this fact that we wrestle with God in the deep struggles of our lives. My guess is you know that already, or you've experienced that, or you're experiencing it now. We st- Wrestle with God in the deep struggles of our life. You know, God is our creator. Um, The Bible teaches us that He just wants what's best for our lives, and yet the best doesn't always come in our lives. The wrestling match with God seems to come in these moments of awareness that somehow my life isn't what I was planning. You ever feel that way? or it comes in these moments where of awareness that what I'm doing today isn't working so well. But due to my past, moving forward is a little scary. Jacob was not happy with Laban's household or family or the situation there, but he also knew that to go home was a bit of an iffy thing. You know, if you struggle with a substance um, or have struggled with an, a, sub, a substance, um, one of the things that um, we sometimes learn, I remember learning this early in my journey, journey and I was so uh, disappointed. You learn that, um, well, here, here, I'll approach it this way. We have this idea that if we're struggling with an addiction, if we, if we remove the substance, then everything in life is going to be okay. And um, that's rarely the case. What we discover is we remove the substance and now we have me to deal with, right? And all of the issues that were underlying and still there. Um, if you are trapped in, the, in a situation of, of depression or anxiety or mental health issues, you know, the reality is, is that this, this in-between time of, of, you know, what is in the past and the uncertainty of the future and whether you can move forward is just overwhelming. If you're in isolation, you're learning that, that isolation is not going to help. You're at an in-between time wrestling with God. Relationship issues, unresolved conflict or trauma, the pain of loss or grief, the consequences of our mistakes and our struggles—all of these things can can cause us to feel like we're at the Jabbok River. So here's the second thing that I want you to know: the the wrestling starts when you realize that you are in between back there, and this is important what God has planned for you next. So maybe your presence here is part of the wrestling itself, but you are here because you realize that perhaps there is a God who has my future in his hands. To go through this wrestling match means that you have to struggle with a God First of all, who defines who you are and says who you are. In my journey, um, I found that the, the biggest wrestling match that I've had um, had to do with my addiction, my mental health, and some of my, my losses that I encountered because of that and the uncertainty of the future. And in order to move forward, my wrestling match was a, was a battle with shame. Anybody here ever battle shame? Huh? Yeah. There's a battle with shame. And um, we've defined shame before. You know, shame is I'm a bad person. Guilt, which does come from God, I think, um, is I'm a human being who does some bad things. Um, Big difference. And the wrestling match for me with God in regards to my shame, it went on for a long time and it kept me sick. I wouldn't recommend that. That's why we talk about it so much here. I realize Um, And I realized then that God says I am created in his image. I am a a masterpiece created by God's very own hand. That I am forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But my shame couldn't believe it. I'm going to say that again. Um, God says you are created in his image. That you are a masterpiece created by his own hand. That you are forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus but for some of you, your 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 shame is preventing you from being able to see that. And what we think is, look what I've done in the past. Look how uncertain my future looks. I'm all alone here at the Jabbok River, um, and I just don't know what to believe or what to do. I'm in my own head. Tell somebody that's a scary place to be. You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now, yeah? Um, we get into our own heads, and it just, it's not a good place to hang out. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted you to know, you know, as we talk about this in-between time of the past and the future, and um, as we think about our, our journeys of, of kind of moving forward, that if you struggle with poor self-talk, I want you to know that that is part of a wrestling match with God. If you struggle with poor self-talk, I just want you to know that God never says that you are a failure, that you're never going to amount to anything. God never says that you are a loser or that you are hopeless, that you are not worthy of love or valued as a human being. God never says those things. God says the opposite. And so if you, are, if you are in the midst of poor self-talk right now, that is part of shame, and that is part of the wrestling match. And what, I, what I'm hoping is that by, you know, by coming here today, or by watching today, you will begin to experience some of what God wants to say to you about who you are. The other thing that I want you to know about this Jabbok River, this, this wrestling match, is that it feels like you are so alone when you are there. But here's the next thing that I want you to know. You're not alone at the Jabbok River. To wrestle with God means is that God is with you in the struggle. Man, that's, I don't know why that's so hard to see, when you're going through it. You're not alone at the Jabbok River. To wrestle with God means that God is with you in the struggle. Here's the thing. Um, I know that you know this. Um, it's when God feels my, a million miles away and I feel all alone that I realize now that God is closer than I thought. If God feels like he is absent, if it feels like, you know, even the people in your life have moved away, God must have really moved away. Um, God is closer than you think. Are you struggling with a difficult past and an uncertain future? Are you struggling with accepting who God says that you are? I want you to hear me today that this God that you are wrestling with wants you to know that the reason why he loves wrestling with you is because he loves you. He loves you that his love for you is unconditional. I tell you all the time, nothing you can do today is gonna to make God love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you can do today is gonna to make him love you more tomorrow. In Jesus, in Jesus, what, what God does is he takes our past and our sin and our mistakes and our junk and he takes it to the cross with him in Jesus Christ. It's kind of called the happy exchange. It's a, a theological principle that's so important to, to understand that, that, you know, all this stuff that we kind of struggle with, um, Jesus is willing, you know, if you trust in him, if you, you know, invite him into your life, Jesus is willing to kind of take that. And he takes it to the cross, and he dies on the cross with it. And what he does is he gives to you your, his righteousness, And um, what it means is just the first time I heard this and began to understand it, it was so profound to me. What it means is that because Jesus took all your junk and gave what was good in himself, when God looks at you now, he sees Jesus. He sees the good in you. When you trust in Jesus, there is something profound that begins to happen. And so I want you to know that this God in Christ Jesus loves you more than you will ever know. You know about this um, struggle with, with, uh, or this wrestling match between Jacob and God. Uh, Frederick Buechner, who's a well-known Christian author, uh, once said that Jacob's divine wrestling match is the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. It is the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. I, I read that um, this week, and I was remembering um, all of the language in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book that I've read that talks about having a spiritual awakening. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, when we hear about spiritual awakenings, if you're in any kind of re- recovery program that talks about that, we, we think, well, what that's referring to is like a light bulb coming on. Yeah, that might be part of it, but that's not the depth of it. Um, literally, what a spiritual awakening is, is a, a, a reality of being brought to your knees and surrendering and accepting defeat of your own will at the hand of God's will. It's literally coming to a a place in your life where you say, I can't do this anymore. I can't figure this out. Somebody else has to do this for me. That is a spiritual awakening. And that is a defeat of our will. Anybody here ever been there? Or need to be there, perhaps? So, um, wrestling with God. Who's wrestled with God? Raise your hands if you've wrestled with God. All right. So you're, you're kind of with me on that. So here's, here's some of the cool things that I want you to know. In wrestling with God, God is always doing something new in you. And so, you know, it's kind of a weird dynamic where, where when we feel like we're struggling and where we feel like we're wrestling with God and we're spiritually, you know, just kind of in this place of, of struggle, I've kind of come to learn that I think God looks at us sometimes in those moments and he says, I've got you right where I want you. Got you right where I want you. Um, You know, that struggle between wills and that struggle of what God wants to to do in our lives, how God wants to shape you and to form you. Um, And so, you know, in the story, um, you know, Jacob wrestles with God and asks his name, and then he says, you're not going to be named Jacob anymore, you're going to be Israel, And it's like God says in the midst of our struggles that it is no longer your definition of what you've done in the past, but who you are in Christ Jesus is is the new person that I am now creating in you. And so stop defining yourself by your mistakes. Stop defining yourself by your self-doubts. Stop defining yourself by the struggles that you've had. In the wrestling, God says to you, you are a new person, a new creation. You are being formed into the person that I want you to be. And so don't, don't freak out at the wrestling. Wrestle away. But know that God is creating something new in you. God is creating something new in you. So here's another thing that I think is pretty cool. Um, God lets us bear the scars of our past and the wrestling match. So I sometimes I think I would rather not have any scars. We'll get there in a second. But here's the thing: we learn in this story. God lets us bear the scars of our past and the wrestling match. Jacob limped the rest of his life. What scars do you bear? can see some of them from up here. We wear them on our face, <laughs> you know. What scars will you yet bear in the future? So he lets us bear the scars of our past in the wrestling match, but in Christ our scars testify to the redeeming power of God that he makes all things new. That is so cool. In Christ, our scars testify to the redeeming power of God and that he makes all things new. So, here's the deal. I don't hide my scars. Um, I don't hide what was back there because it points not to me, but to the power of God. What God did for me, I know he can do for you, so I'm going to let my scars show. I don't hide the fact that I had a long wrestling match with God as I faced an uncertain future because it points to the courage and the strength of the Lord that helps me get through every day. You see my scars, you see my God. You with me? You see my scars, you see my God. You see his grace and forgiveness. And I want you to know that there is no one, there is no sin, there is no struggle that is greater than his power and his love. Somebody came up to, the, to me after the first service and he said, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he was raised from the dead three days later and his scars were still there. Your scars show not just something about what you've been through. Your scars show what God has done in your life and what he has walked you through and what the wrestling with him has produced in a way that can bring him glory and help other people. Now there's one more thing. Um, Then we're going to wrap up. One more thing. Can I just tell you to hang in there if you're in the wrestling match? Because if you are wrestling with God, it means that he is about to do something new and something big in your life. That's a scriptural principle I want you to take with you. I can tell you that. It may not be what you planned. It may not be what you were hoping for. But I can tell you that... That if you are wrestling with God, it means that he is about to do something new and something big in your life. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, "Um, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to bring you a future and your hope. In scripture, in life, there's always this time that we go through at the Jabbok River. For some of you, it might, be, might have been the most horrendous time of your life. But what I want you to know is that, is that when we walk through that and we wrestle with God, that, that it is that period in life that will come before a blessing... That will come before a calling and that will come for, uh, before ascending. I don't always understand what God is thinking or what He is up to, but what I know is that He's always up to something in your life and He's always up to something in mine. And the wrestling I have experienced is, is what prepares me for what God wants to do next. And so if you are wrestling with God, it always means that God is doing something new in your life. Hold on to that. God is going to do something new in your life, and it's going to be something big. And one day, perhaps, it'll make a little bit more sense, or maybe not. But you can trust that your life and your future is in God's hands. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to call the band up here. And um, during uh, this last song and after the service, if anybody wants prayer, I I realize that, you know, some of you may be in the wrestling match right now, or, you know, you just want a blessing, Um, in the midst of that, um, the angel or the, you know, God blesses Jacob um, afterwards. You can come on up, and I'd be happy to do that with you during this song or after the service.